Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we don't show the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt, Light, Feed It After Midnight, or Get It Wet. I'm Mary Johnston, and this pupil stage with me is my brother, Thomas Johnston. How are you? Well, I never meant to spay. What are you singing and why? But I kind of like the music. You've never heard Never Been to Spain by Three Dog Night? Why, why are you seeing this in relation to the Gremlins? It's not a Christmas song. Well, I have such sights to show you. You oh. might just have to wait for the cast rundown on this movie. Oh, that I is think somebody in... Is Both someone... can agree has too damn many characters. <laughs> uh, that may be the case. I would like to wish you a very holly jolly Christmas. Yes, yes. Happy Wookiee Life Day. Yep, yep, yep. Happy holidays, all. This is our holiday episode of... <laughs> Of what show is this? Crypt Gremlin Keepers, the Gremlin Podcast. (laughs) Crypt Creepers, Um, Crypt Gremlins, rounding out the year with uh, with a Spielbergian, so Spielbergian because it contains actual Steven Spielbergs. Uh, Yeah, right. That's right. So Spielbergian that they kind of trick you into thinking that maybe he directed it. (laughs) But in fact, but in fact, (laughs) ha ha, don't worry about it. He's just the executive producer. Right. But I can't remember how, how is it? the It's like a Steven Spielberg production or something funny like that. This is like, like, it's Steven's movie made by Joe Dante. They just write his name and be like, just Steven Spielberg. Sort of like a, a no girls allowed sort of thing. It's just mm-hmm. like only Steven Spielberg's allowed. As much as I would like, I, as much as I like to make fun of Steven Spielberg, because there's Lord knows there's plenty to make fun of. I will say that he is the master of this type of film. I yeah, I would agree 100 percent. Yes. And he does it so well. And they are very enjoyable. There's there's a reason that this is this is a cult classic. Uh, yeah, I, and I it's know. mostly because of him, and maybe a little bit of Joe Dante, wait, wait, but like think, it's yeah, his, no, I think I think it's I, his stamp. I would quibble with this. Yes, I think that this is of a sort that Steven Spielberg would make, but I think this is very clearly from Joe Dante. Sure, you know, I think, and know, maybe yeah. that's why it's a cult film as opposed to um, like an enduring classic. I mean, maybe I don't know. I think that it's a little like, weird. It's a little too weird. A little weird. Yeah, I mean, like I think that everyone who are not everyone. Most people who who love this movie, yourself excluded, are people who saw it when they were a kid, mm-hmm. and and it's it kind of it has that thing where like that, that sort of um, Star Warsy, and it's now just part of your DNA. And people just love it. They love Gizmo. Mm-hmm. I love Gizmo. I mean, he's creepy AF, but no, he's not. He's so cute. Your children also, remind me of I'm, Gizmo. I'm just, I'm just regularly. I'm just just teasing all of my points for later on. He is, I think, the ultimate villain of the piece. Whoa! Boom! I'm, I'm, re- Boom. I'm ready. I read. Boom. I read a. I read a shocking, a shocking piece that argues the same thing. I wonder if you have the same argument. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. I try not to taint my uh, my my thoughts and views. I try to keep my mind clear by not reading anything. <laughs> I will love it if your take on it is the same as this thing that I read. Uh, shall we get started? Um, I suppose so. Well, I Me. never been no. to England. Stop. Stop. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. 
I think I think nah, a gremlin. Nah, I think a gremlin nah, got into nah, our uh, nah, our singing. Nah, that was pretty good. That, that, was that okay. ruled. Got it in one. No <laughs> further takes needed. Body, pretty, pretty. Uh, all right. Tell us since you've been teasing about uh, three dog night. Tell us about the three dogs that are in this night. <laughs> Well, of course, this is directed by Joe Dante, who is like, I feel like a, himself, like a, like too popular to be a cult director, but probably technically is a cult director. He um, just made weird things like the burbs. Right. Yeah. The burbs, which, which is great. I, I have, yep. have you seen the howling? I've seen parts of it, but never all of it. Like, which I've is like, the howling. I enjoy like the straight howling. up a genius uh, werewolf movie. Yeah. I, I like love small soldiers kind of weirdly. Me too. I mean, that also holds up the whole, like I saw when I was a kid, so things great. I think Gremlins 2 is the superior Gremlins. Here's a fun fact. Joe Dante also thinks that. Oh, um, he just because Joe Dante, Dante is a raging psychopath. <laughs> just, he's, oh. he's great. He's great. Um, he made Interspace and he did work, did Piranha. He did a little bit of. I um, really enjoy Piranha. Piranha is my favorite Jaws knockoff movie. He uh, like did a little apprentice, apprenticeship with Roger Corman. I think he sort of Joe Dante like kind of interestingly bridges I sound I'm going to talk like I know what I'm talking about but it seems to kind of bridge the like the, the kind of Corman like uh, you know cranking out creature feature sort of movie thing and like sort of bridges and reaches a hand to Steven Spielberg and so sort of stands in, I think sort of an interesting place probably probably someone who's smarter than me can confirm or deny that um, but anyway um, it's, it's funny to talk about this movie because it's like explaining to you and can see whatever audience we have who famous people are <laughs> like this one was written by chris columbus <laughs> christopher columbus wrote this oh i also want to say chris christopher columbus i do want to say joe dante also directed the weirdest and probably most scary uh uh piece from the re- oh. like the 90s twilight zone movie oh the yeah, one yeah. With the the one with the like free the freaky kid who wants to like kill everybody. Oh yeah, and he did um, Masters of Horror, didn't he? Do Screwfy Solution? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Uh. Anyway, so Chris Columbus, his mother probably calls him Christopher. Um. His grandma r- definitely does. Wrote this. He also wrote The Goonies, Young Sherlock Holmes, Christmas with the Cranks. Oh my gosh. And then, of course, Chris Columbus is like the uber director, producer, did, you know, Home Alone, Mrs. Doubtfire, Bicentennial Man, a couple Harry Potters in there, did some production on The Help, Rent, have you heard of it? I mean, you know, right, like, very fine. Christopher Columbus is not very Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Chris Columbus. Christopher see, Columbus see. is a problematic faith. <laughs> He, so has he brought a disease to the new world, but then he stuck around and he did some delightful filmmaking. Whoa. Um, anyway, as we talked about at the top, the executive producer is Steven Spielberg. Um, I don't, I, I guess if you don't know who he is, it's hard to explain who he is. Um, anyway, um, I picked out some people to talk about in the cast. Um, Zach Galligan is Billy Peltzer. Um, this, this I think probably is like the thing he's remembered for, but, um, he was also in a series of apparently kind of well-received like schlocky horror movies called the Waxwork series. He did some work on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. He had a guest role in Seventh Heaven. He was in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. And then something that only only Johnstons know about. He was also Hickey in the Lawrenceville stories, a oh. beloved lost Disney series. Um, I He's one of those people that when you see him, you're like, why didn't he like fully blow up? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. He has that sort of 
He's kind of like like boringly good, blandly good looking. I think he could have been like a Tom Hanks. He so? seems like he's like very attractive, but seems attainable and is like funny. Yeah, and he and could charming. do like goofy stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he's not quite as goofy enough to be Tom Hanks, who was like real damn goofy early in his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he, I, he got again, to the, I'm telling you this like, portion, like but let me tell you like about Tom Hanks. Have you heard of him? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then uh, so Phoebe Cates is Kate Berenger, her of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Drop Dead Fred, also married to Kevin Klein. Uh, Still? <laughs> yeah. And I think they got married uh, in the in the in the 90s, I think. So that, or maybe the late 80s. They've married a long time. And she has sort of like retired from acting. I uh, in warm up for this, watched some clips from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Have you? Oof. you you watched it recently? I, 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 I did not see it. Not I did not see it at the time that it would make sense for me to see it. I saw it sure. as a full adult and was like, yikes, yikes, a Rooney. Actually, what I what, what's more interesting to me is how um how much more age appropriate the like teenagers seem to be in this, which is which kind of makes it feel worse. Mm. Oh, you mean like how much uh, like like, in, like like instead in of instead of no 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 instead of like the way a lot of modern um, even things that like supposedly do a good sort of do a good job with it or whatever like uh, like Degrassi like Mean Girls or something like where we're like it's clearly just a bunch of like twenty year olds like pretending that they're fifteen years old or whatever <laughs> um, and so like you get this sort of like distance from it and this the like kind of do seem to just be kids. Oh, the like, actors are seem yeah. age appropriate to play the people they're acting. I, yeah, right, play, right. I, and I, don't, like, I, I thought you meant like, like the things they did. I mean, did. except I was for, like, except I mean, for I mean, Judge Reinhold, who has looked 35 his entire career. His whole life. I mean, even it's... now, he just made some weird wish on a monkey's paw. <laughs> he just looks, he looks like kind of a youthful middle-aged man, a youthful looking middle-aged man forever. It's true. Um, My so, name is Judge. So I think this is the I think that so um, Hoyt Axton is Randall Rand Peltzer, the inventor, who he is has the best voice in this. Yes, movie. right. And you know why, Mary? You don't because you would you would have understood while well the three dog night thing. He's a he's an accomplished like singer songwriter, and he wrote Joy to the World and Never Been to Spain for Three Dog Night, among a lot of stuff. He did some acting things kind of around this time, though I don't like really recognize much else that he was in. But he's on like a ton of his music's on a ton of soundtracks. He did stuff with Forrest Gump, Tropic Thunder, Encido Man, you know, all the great classics. Um, and um, who else we got here? Howie Mandel did the voice for Gizmo. I'm re- I'm relieved to find out he wasn't actually in the Three Dog Night, so he didn't have to go through that penis splitting nightmare. Oh, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> you know, um, Francis Lee McCain is Lynn Peltzer. Um, she was in Back to the Future, Footloose, Stand Pulitzer by Me, my Patch Adams, Scream. My favorite character in this movie. That's yeah. She earned her um, MA in Psychology in 2000, and she is the SAG AFTRA, um, or she's a SAG AFTRA board member for the New Mexico branch. Um, That's so awesome. Yep. Judge Reinhold is in this kind of bafflingly. Um, <laughs> Briefly, right. he almost has what could be considered a cameo. But like, a, yeah, <laughs> um, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I have some info on that as well. Carry on. Friend of the pod, Dick Miller um, is Murray Futterman. We've talked about him before. Um, he is in, I think, like, if not all the Joe Dante movies, just like almost all of them, like beloved character actor, bucket of blood, you know, maybe he's secretly he's Joe Dante's 
dad. Maybe he secretly is Jodan. No. Um, who Maybe we got? he's the twin that lives curled up in Jodante's side. Key Luke is Mr. Wing, credited as his grandfather. He's the uh, imposing uh, East Asian man um, who is the actual owner of the Mogwai. Um, he has been an actor uh, since the 1930s. His breakthrough role was to be um, number the number one son in the Charlie Chan movies. He played Lee Chan. Um, and he was also the original Kato in the Green Hornet serials, like when they were you know serialized mm-hmm. in, the, in the 30s. Um, he also took over for Boris Karloff as Mr. Wong in the Phantom of Chinatown. Um, this was part of this was like just another movie in sort of the popular Asian detective series kind of, uh, you know, uh, sort of film that was popular in the 30s and 40s. He is the only Asian actor to play the lead Asian detective in any of these movies. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. um, he was considered for the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi um, uh, in, in uh, Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, I can see that. Um, he, has, he, he has a ton of voice credits. He did some voices on the Chipmunks uh, series that would have been almost contemporary with Tales from the Crypt, the like weird one that we remember from the like 80s and 90s. We're the chipmunks. Exactly. Alvin Simon. He was in a bunch of TV shows. He was on episodes of TJ Hooker. He was in MacGyver. He was on MASH. Um, and, and, and right, like this guy has been working like continuously um, and aggressively like since the he's 30s. He's a real so, thorough Raven's cloth. Right, right. And probably he's and, and I am certainly not equipped to to really appreciate all of the stuff he did since, you know, just huge body of work um much of it kind of before my media focus um he was also apparently an accomplished mural artist and he earned a star on the hollywood walk of fame in 1990 um so pretty accomplished dude um very nice let me think who else Corey feldman (laughs) is is again sort of heavy cameo in this movie as uh as peter fontaine hey come on he teaches uh gizmo how to blink Oh, yeah. um, and uh, I think that's that's everybody that I really want to talk about. Um, but uh, yeah. All right. Sounds good. You don't want to talk about the dog whose name is Mushroom. Um, oh, I think Mushroom delivers a, a, a staggering performance. I like that little skip he does. Isn't when, it, uh, it? I think this is. I think Gizmo I read this. Almost hits him with the tiny car. Yeah, I think I read this somewhere. I think that like the the dog didn't get along with Zach Galligan. And there's like a lot of like they, they did not did not have a good time together. They did not. Gel. It seems to me I read that somewhere, though. If that's a lie, nobody let me know. Um, you know, who? you know, their famous dog and man pairing did not get along. Who? Uh, Marty Crane and his dog, Eddie. <laughs> Can you imagine? They worked together for like 13 years. <laughs> I feel insane. like I'd be like, this is bad enough. I don't feel welcome in my son's apartment. I don't feel welcome with my own dog. And I have to pretend I love this dog who I hate. Um, okay, I'll give you a brief synopsis of what, of what uh, Gremlins is Man, about. Gremlins, what could this be about? Uh, Billy is a young man living a normal life in a small town when his father gives him a strange and unusual pet for Christmas. <laughs> this cuddly and cute critter is a mogwai named Gizmo, who's fairly, ro- low ma- ugh, who's fairly low maintenance except for three rules. Don't expose him to bright lights. Don't let him come in contact with water. And don't feed him after midnight. 
Time zones are unclear. Mm-hmm. Gizmo is per- a perfect companion until he's accidentally doused with water and spontaneously produces five more mogwais. But <laughs> these furballs, unlike Gizmo, seem more sinister and they're hungry for a midnight snack. Gremlins. Gremlins. And jazz hands. What do you think this movie is about? I think, I mean, like, I think of, of, of many of the things you've seen. I feel like the moral is basically stated to us at the end. Um, <laughs> so Mr. Wing basically uh, says. Check your appliances for gremlins if they're broken. Yeah, no, 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 no. Mr. Wing, not, not, not Rand. Not Rand. Yeah. Pelt, r- yeah. If anything Rand says, do the opposite, except for the rules about the Mogwai. <laughs> but you're going to do the opposite of those anyway, so. So, Mr. Wing says. You do with Mogwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. You are not ready. Like, I think that, like, yeah, isn't that, you know, I think that's what we're supposed to learn from this. Yeah. Done. I would agree with that. End of Uh, episode. (laughs) I also, I I think that there are three more. I think that one of them is rules are important. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something my daughter would say. (laughs) Daddy, daddy. But I think it's. Rules are important. <laughs> they are important. Like they're very. He's too casual about all of these Mogwai well, rules. To be fair, to be fair, they did give a Mogwai to what's his name, Billy, Billy, mm-hmm. who we have established is like the least responsible pet owner in this whole damn town. I right? mean, he's okay. His weird dog that he ties up at the bank on a rope, like so it can escape and like antagonize the evil battle axe in their community. Um. Like, just like, like I, can, I can't think of a worse person to give one of these things to. The Peltzer pet? No, I can think of a worse person if she stayed with Rand. Because Rand is literally <laughs> always spraying himself in the face well, with shaving some cream. liquid. No, no, but here's the thing. Shaving cream, not water. Also, not edible. So it would be Toothpaste, fine. Toothpaste, I bet, has water in it. I, but, okay. But really, you want you want to go here? Like... How come those gremlins can just like run around in the snow? Snow literally is water. I don't want to go here, but I always bugs me at the end when mom's like, I'm going to make him some chicken soup. I'm like, what do you think that broth is? It's water. Uh, How do do, so mogwais don't do mogwais don't drink water. No. Don't drink anything. Nope. I mean, those chicken. I mean, I guess they can drink booze. Chicken is mostly water. I, but like what's in the not, booze the booze is all right it, it's all obviously it's crazy <laughs> the only like, one that no, no, might we should just rehash the scene from gremlins 2 where they like lampshade all this and they're like what if you cross the international dateline <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. i love or we could just can i just, just say i love gremlins 2 <laughs> Well, the way most Gremlins... people love Gremlins one, I love Gremlins two. I like Gremlins two a lot as well. They're they're very different movies. You know what I love? You know what my favorite piece of Gremlin media is the, the Key and Peele key sketch. And Peele. Oh man, the Key and Peele sketch where they make fun of all the different stupid Gremlins from Gremlins <laughs> two. I mean, um, yes, except that I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's what makes it genius. I think don't. they do understand. I think they do understand. I also love I also love uh, Key dressed up in Steven Spielberg drag. <laughs> I also think that there's like a there's a there's a big through thread, like most like most holiday features about how greed is not a, is not a good thing. Right. 
Um, and I also think that there's a, and this will lead delightfully into our next subject, which is I think that there's also something in here about how small towns have a dark side. Amer- beautiful, nostalgic Americana mm-hmm. has is is a rock with worms underneath it. Yeah, and I, I feel like Joe, like Joe, Joe Dante, not, definitely. Feels yeah, he that he, way. he definitely loves that. I mean, or at least like loves it from a filmmaking perspective, like the kind of the. Yeah, idyllic feel, town, and then like something boils returns, over, and it all like. Yeah, he returns to that well quite often. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So much so that some have suggested that, and I believe he has confirmed that he thought about Gremlins as a remake of It's a Wonderful Life, uh-huh. but if Henry Potter, not Harry Potter, but Henry Potter <laughs> had Mr. one, I mean, Mr. See, Potter had one. So, I mean, obviously, Jordana can say whatever he wants since his movie, but I like super disagree with that. Because, How? because like when Henry Potter wins, the whole town just beca- it's like the real world. The whole town just becomes like a bunch of bars and strip clubs and stuff. But this town is idyllic. We even have Mrs. Deagle, who is Mr. Potter. Like, no, this is clearly like the town, like I think the, it's in, like in, in the main process. continuity. Sure. I guess but I mean, in process, because like right. Mrs. Deagle controls the bank now. So like, I mean, the, sort of the, like the, it's, the it's lo- never the it, savings and loan has, has fallen. I mean, maybe if you when you want this, I this movie is kind of a mess in that <laughs> there's there's a bunch of weird amputated limbs of stories that have nothing to do with gremlins that you kind of see the like cauterized stumps of like, like, why is Judge Reinhold in this movie? Why is Corey Feldman in this movie? Why is Mrs. Deagle anything more than just some like cranky old woman <laughs> like? You, you like like when you see this you you just imagine there are like all these plot lines that were like left on the cutting room floor um but and i think but, so i mean like the original cut of this movie is over three hours long right 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 and and then and then and, and because this is a beloved movie and because i think joe dante is quite upfront about talking about ideas and the filmmaking process and i get the sense that this was maybe a this what this was a possibly a little bit looser production um there's all kinds of other stuff where they talk about like originally it was supposed to be darker and originally in that kitchen scene, the mom was supposed to get her head cut off and like it was never filmed. It was just sort of an idea. But because the movie is popular and the uh, the director is an engaging and personable person who likes to talk about his craft, we like almost know too much. now. <laughs> There's just like too much of ideas flying around about it. It's true. The IMDb uh, trivia page for this movie is exhausting to get through yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it is yeah. pages it is most the most trivia about any movie i've ever seen ever mm-hmm. right ever like pages and pages and pages hundreds of items mm-hmm. um i so are you do you think it's a little bit like uh retconned yeah or i mean i or i just think that like saying that it's where mr potter like i think the real world is what happens to small world americana when mr potter wins because that's what happens in the real world but this one is still like I, I, I'm willing to believe like maybe he's winning. Maybe Mrs. Deagle is like Mr. Potter, but she's winning more. But it's still like an idyllic small town where, uh, you know, like people help out at the town bar, just work unpaid shifts, and you know, a bunch of like nonsense like that. Like, I feel like what we're presented with really is like an idyllic small town. And then there's just like this teetering edge of the 80s with like, ju- you know, with Judge Reinhold. Yeah, no, sort I, of I like, think that that's. Yeah. I think that and that's so like it's. Around. I, it becomes yeah. a thing where we're like, it's like fighting about, well, winning how much? So 
I'll, yeah, I'll accept I, that. I, I just when I think like Mr. Potter has won, it's something where like everybody lives in a tenement and the only two jobs available are town drunk or go-go dancer. <laughs> Actually, Potterville looks pretty wild. It's like it's like if you like put the Las Vegas strip in the middle of a, a little yeah. tiny town's uh, main street. <laughs> Mr. Potter, uh, you can't. Well, savings loan is just spiteful. It's something you can't have. Mr. Potter, it just doesn't make any sense to put... T- 10 topless bars in a row. It's going to eat their own business. Cannibalize it. <laughs> Mr. Potter, um, you can't put a titty bar in the old savings loan. <laughs> what about the children? This is a The beams aren't strong enough to support the dancing cases. This is an interesting situation. Yeah, but. I think you'd actually love that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We, we, yeah, yeah. Georgia. Uh, no, what's no, his name? No, but I, this is. That, that, this that, is that, that main dude, he's a pervert. He's got some problems. He, he definitely just, has an he just, anger problem. He just loved it when his lady was in that bush in some form of undress. I like when he comes home and he just yells at his whole family on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and then he's like, Zuzu's paddles. He's like, I wish I was dead. And you, the viewer, are like, I kind of wish you were dead, too. Yeah, Jesus, man. <laughs> you seem awful. You need to, like, get a grip. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should this- drink more. No, maybe you should drink less. Drink less, drink less, go to therapy more. Thank you. Is it more, is this like a, is this like a Hamilton moment? Nope, nope, Talk nope. less. Nope. Smile more. No, no, no. Those would be good advice for, for him though. I mean, um, <laughs> but I think it's, I think we are seeing sort of a, a, maybe perhaps, can we agree? It's like Bedford Falls. This is King's, Kingston Falls. Right. But Bedford Falls, but instead of Mr. Potter as or Henry Potter as the main villain, kind of like the creep of the 80s. Right. Point, Voldemort is the problem. Wait, right, who's, right. Who's, wait, who's Hagrid? Is the dog Hagrid? I think the dog's Hagrid. Um, <laughs> that actually does not. That's not a that's not a uh, non insightful statement. Um, I do think that there are small details that make me believe this more. Mm-hmm. Um, like when he's walking down Main Street and you see, like, did you, you pay attention to what the charming small town shops are? I expected to see some, like, real Stars Hollow Gilmore Girls stuff mm-hmm. behind me. Yeah, like, there's, like, a Burger King and stuff. But yeah, there's yeah. a Burger King and a discount store. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And then I think that you have lots of characters who have, like, a Mayberry veneer, but actually have, like, are kind of dark, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You have this woman who keeps towing her children behind her, fruitlessly begging the bank for mercy. And they're basically like, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't be so lazy. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like really what you're kind of given is it's like the the beautiful Bedford Falls town and like the 80s are seeping in uh, in the form of like insufferable yuppies and like, you know, a woman with cats that are all named after world currencies and a Burger King and, you know. A racist played by a beloved character actor. Kopeck is a great name for a cat. I yeah. will give her that. You like drachma too? Yeah. When they have dollar bill is like dollar bill, you're like, uh. Mm, that was when they were afraid that people wouldn't get the joke. That that cat should be named like Frank. They should, yeah, Frank or Lyre. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite weird dark moment because I I was thinking a lot about like the Andy Griffith show too. I was thinking of other other references to small idyllic towns, and. I was thinking about how like how like cowardly and like stupid and horrible the policemen are in this oh, yeah. movie. Yep. Pretty great. I thought Jonate is a comrade. He knows. 
Pretty great. I like the I like that having this town have drunk cowardly police. I like that. <laughs> I the, just imagine, the, I'm imagining like Joe Dante like takes his shirt off and like written across his chest in like old English letters is like A C A B. I don't know. We can tweet at him. Yeah. Um. I, I like, like I like the speak of the cops. I like goes. You always get to drive because I'm the sheriff, asshole. Yeah. When they're arguing about which one of them is less which one, drunk, which one gets to drunk drive? Yeah. Yeah, um, I like that the dive bar is the heart of the community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right? Like that is that's the place they talk about. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have at the center of all of this the main kook. The uh, oh man, what's his name? Who? What's the what's the dumb uncle from uh, from uh, oh, Wonderful from, Life? I don't know. That's that's a whole different movie. Need a different set of notes for that. I'm here talking about though the guy who loses the money, the guy who's a hapless bumble. You know what? Yep. <laughs> you know what? Do I know? <laughs> Do you? It's the fire truck. Uncle word. Billy. Oh, Uncle, he's even Uncle Billy. Uncle oh. Baby Billy. Wait, hold on. Uncle up. Baby Billy. Mr. Futterman, I would argue, is like an Uncle Billy type, <laughs> except this one is what it actually happened to Uncle Billy. And maybe is sort of the subtext of Uncle Billy, where he's like a depressed out of work alcoholic who has horrible delusions and is and is a bigot. But don't worry, he did. <laughs> Mr. Futterman, who did not die, comes back to visit them in New York for the sequel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they decided to give him. Uh, well, I, I mean, because because Joe Dante is contractually obligated to put Dick Miller in every movie he makes. True. He should have made him be like his his brother, Uncle Butterman, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Butterman. Um, I, that would have actually fit very well, I think, with with uh, Gremlins two overall goofiness. Um, yes, but I liked, I liked, so and, I, and I really focused up uh, on the character of so. So I think that the thesis of this movie is sometimes the or broadly is the American dream is covering up a bunch of ugly stuff. Yes, sure. And I think that there is like a, there's almost they almost make this thematic. Um, like comparison or likeness, where small town America and Christmas are almost interchangeably yeah, thematically. Sure. I, they I, like play with that. Yeah, I love that. I think. It's, I mean, like, I think that, and I'm gonna. I promise, I'm not gonna talk about Gremlins two the whole time. But like, Gremlins two has like very pointed satire. I think of like contemporary mm-hmm. stuff, and this maybe has some satire. But I think this is more of I. I feel like this is a tribute to like films and to a kind of film and filmmaking that uh joe dante enjoys and probably enjoyed as a as a child or a young man or something um like i would posit i i wrote this i wrote i wrote down what, what people are watching on tv there's a lot of people watching television in this movie and mm-hmm. i think the things we see that we see them seeing are the things that he is doing a trip doing tributes to if i may we start off with it's a wonderful life we've we've beaten that horse then we see some clips from invasion of the body snatchers we see wizard of oz we see the blob we see a Clark Gable race car movie called To Please a Lady. We see Orpheus. We see Hemo the Magnificent, which is a Johnston family favorite. The two mm-hmm. little muscle man. And we see Snow White. And I think Snow White, I think what I would posit sort of stands in for the sort of general cartoonishness. Like these gremlins, like this this movie kind of turns into a live action cartoon for uh, the, the sort of latter midsection of it. And so I think that like. This is doing a doing a sort of modern, twisted, blended up version of a kind of, you know, messing with powers that you cannot comprehend. 
Um, but also instead of it just kind of being, but, but instead of having a message where it's just sort of like, yeah, don't, uh, man, whoo, Chinese, Chinese monsters, right? At the end, they kind of come in and scold them for being like bad, fat, stupid, consumeristic, short-sighted, um, Americans who are just like, just poking their big noses and shoes places where they're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, and I think that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of rad. I, I'm on board with that. that that's fine. But, yeah. but, but I think, I mean, would, would you agree? I think that's what Jordan is doing here. Like he's making a movie that would be like, it's kind of like, he's like, I want to make the ultimate movie. That is the movie that I would have loved when I was 10 years old. Yeah, no, it's like, it's a nostalgia piece that, that simultaneously pokes fun of the past and the future and, I and think, the impending near future. Yeah. And I think sort of like papers out, fixes the sins of that, you know, right. Cause I think a lot of these, um, a lot of these great like atomic horror movies actually have kind of weird, ugly, like an ugly concert, like not, not like not necessarily just politically conservative, but just kind of like weird backward looking kind of message or feel to them. Oh yeah. Like where things where it's like, why, why can't we go back to the way it was? And I think this movie is, is specifying that, the 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 way it was wasn't that great and 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 now especially is is rusted out and hollow right. given given what is happening economically in the country and and i mean ultimately um i didn't write it down but mr wing also gives him a message of hope where he basically is like yeah and maybe one day you will be ready for mogwai so it's not even like it's not like oh my gosh everything is hopelessly hopelessly ruined you know? No, it ends. It ends in a really. I actually really like the end of this movie quite a bit. Yeah. What I like this movie in general. But I, I uh, end of this movie. I is, was surprised at how unracist actually the the, the East Wait, are. I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not I mean, there. I, I remember. I like. I remembered it though, but I was like ready to be like, here it goes. Roll out the cannons. I was like, yeah. I was like yeah, okay. I'm not. I'm not there yet. I want to talk about Kate first. Okay. Like, sure. Part of this. Yeah. Yeah. So. I feel like the part of this movie that oh, gets man. that gets like the most like ho ho he hoes about is Kate's monologue about her dad dying in the chimney dressed to Santa Claus. People are like, where did that come from? What the hell? Right. Yeah. Um, but I actually on rewatch think that this all makes perfect sense. I am. Um... <laughs> Say say your piece. I might be one of those people. I'm just my my note is just like like Jesus. This is dark. Well, the reason it's in there, truly, according to Joe Dante, uh-huh. is that he liked it. He wanted to have it as sort of this ultimate moment of co- comedic of horrific things where you're not really sure is it so horrible horrible it's funny or do you have to laugh about it because it's so horrible? Like right, right. No, it's just it's just horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Um, so you had it in there. Everybody, basically everybody hated it except him. Yeah, and Steven Spielberg yeah. is like, Joe, it's your movie. You get to put it in. <laughs> yeah. If you it's want. just like a weird auteur thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. But yeah, would you, I mean, it's, a, it's, but a, I like, it's a real I like, weird thing. I like the character of, of Kate in general. She was yeah. a, she was controversial even at the time because of course, Phoebe Cates is at this time, especially, was most famous for being topless in Fast Times at Richmond High. Yeah, she was so a studio, bad girl. She's a bad girl. Studios did not want to cast her, and and basically, um, and, and basically, Joe Dante's like, nope, she's the only person I want to do this. Yeah, no, I, she I, I, and Zach she, are it, and yeah, she does a beautiful she, job. Yeah, she does a good job. I, th- that that scene, I mean, like, I don't even think I have to explain that it's complete. Number one, Billy is such a dummy. Like, how does? 
in this small town where like everybody's in each other's pockets, how is this not a well-known fact about this family? It's <laughs> a very good question. You know what? Yeah, I, you would I, you would think there'd just be like an endless parade of casseroles. Right. Just Kate, um, Kate where's your dad? Like what happened? Oh no. To him? Well, you know how you haven't seen my dad for 50 for like 12 years. But I think I that know. a lot of things about her I think her job is to represent this sort of disillusionment and trauma that is like strongly associated with nostalgia is almost because of nostalgia, like a nostalgic, fantastical, dreamy ideas about what it's like to be in America and what makes your life good. And she represents like the decay of that. Right. She had her dad who like committed so hard to this like fantasy and it's horrifying, and it ends up horrifying, right? I think um, she and Billy make sort of an interesting pair because um, he's the one who wants to get out, but he's also kind of like like a dumb idealist, whereas she is cynical, but she is more comfortable where she is and with her own skin, you know, right? Like she's pulling the, the shifts in the bar because she's a good person. She's totally like, she's just, she, she is a part of the community and is committed to making it work, like even to her own detriment, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I feel like usually what you'll get is the cynical, snarky character is also the one who's like, I can't wait to get out of this town and shake the dust from my feet. <laughs> but instead, totally. we, we have a sort of a pie-eyed idiot who says things to his potential future girlfriend. I mean, certainly future girlfriend. I mean, like whatever the relationship is where she doesn't like Christmas. He's like, you don't like Christmas. What are you, Hindu? <laughs> my notes are just full of me writing stuff where it's just like, Jesus, Billy is dumb. He's such a dummy. This is right before after uh, uh, Kate did not let Mr. Futterman drive a, dr- a drive oh, drunk drunk drive his a, snowplow home. His Kentucky harvester. His Harvestman? Kentucky harvester. Yeah, yeah harvester. Uh, yeah. It's an actual real uh, tractor. And it's a it's a little bit of a joke because it's not it. Although it was made in Kentucky, they were called international harvesters. Oh. So I think it's a little bit of a I think it's a little bit of a joke about his uh, jingoistic. Uh, <laughs> ideas about things. This is um, called xenophobia. This is called being being a bigot. Being a bigot. So Billy says that was really good the way you handled Mr. Futterman. I'm used to it. He's been like that since he lost his job. He's like a lot of people around here. He just wants someone to listen, especially around the holidays. Why is that? <laughs> it's when a lot of people get really depressed. I always thought everyone was happy during the holidays, no matter what. <laughs> Most people are, while some aren't. While everyone else is opening up presents, others are opening up their wrists. Cheery <laughs> thought. It's true. The suicide rate is always the highest around the holidays. No, I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah. It's such a dummy. But she, I like her as a character. Yeah, no, I think it was, a, it was smart. It was smart casting. I like the way that she, what she represents. She, she simultaneously kind of um, is the guide towards... Mm-hmm what this story is actually about without being too much of an exposition Sally. In fact, she almost explains nothing and just brings in weird non sequiturs. Well, and, right. And you know who else knows this? Joe Dante. Cause remember in the sequel, um, uh, Billy gets a job, works as like a, like a industrial uh, illustrator or whatever, right. In the clamp clamp tower. And she is the, tu- literally the tour guide in the tower. So she knows where the power breakers are and where the water main is and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she gets to wear a hat that yeah. looks like the tower. That rocks. That rules. She gets to wear a hat that rules. Um, I think the other uh, the other kind of thesis statement uh, piece, like like a line in this, is when um, 
the cops are are making fun of Billy for being mm-hmm. like, there are all these crazy animals out there, <laughs> Thousands creatures. of them, yeah. And then they get the call and they're like, the Futtermans have been attacked. And they say, it's a freak accident. And he says, it's the creatures. The creatures are making it look like an accident. I, I, at that point, I was like, the system is working exactly as it was designed. <laughs> um, so do we agree generally that uh, gremlins themselves represent uh, like greed and excess and unchecked capitalism of the eighties. Oh uh, yeah, or they're like the, like like human id given given form and like chaos and entropy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the um one of the the set people uh like I guess came up to uh, Joe Dante at some point during the filming when they it was like after they filmed that Christmas caroling scene mm-hmm. where the gremlins are all wearing like little like like uh, earmuffs and scarves, and he's like, I get it. They're supposed to be parodies of people. They're like, yeah, man. Yeah, right on. <laughs> right on. I love, did you read anything about this? Like the puppet, the puppets that they used were were quite advanced for the time and everything were really expensive. And um, uh, so they had to like make sure that people weren't stealing them, but they also would like kind of break and they themselves were sort of plagued by gremlins were giant pain in the neck. And that's why he was so reluctant to make a sequel to the movie. Because <laughs> sort of, in a sense, the gremlins themselves like were irritating the way a gremlin would be. And were also plagued by gremlins in the like wo- classic World War II sense. Yeah, uh, that's really funny. And apparently costs like $30,000 each. Like each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, my other favorite moment with the gremlins when they're just like, there's just like endless mayhem is when, uh, Billy and Kate are sneaking into the movie theater and they mm-hmm. like peep at all the gremlins watching, oh, yeah. uh, Snow White and they're on there and it's like, it's like, it, they're basically full on Muppets at that point. Yes. Right. Like yeah. they're all wearing 3D glasses. Like, and, like popcorn funny hats. is like, yeah, popcorn yeah. is like flying around. How much they're, popcorn do you think was used in the making of this movie? <laughs> great question so much i would guess that it's only eclipsed by the amount of popcorn used in real genius which filled an entire house (laughs) um and kate asks billy what are they doing and he says they're watching snow white and they love it i love that (laughs) line it makes me laugh so hard every time the gremlins Um, are they're americans also unintentionally hilarious when you consider what a capitalistic uh, juggernaut uh, the disney company is yeah well and no way would wall uncle walt let this i don't know who knows (laughs) uncle walt would be like i don't want gremlins to watch my movie they might not be christians who's joe dante sounds foreign (laughs) (laughs) well i don't think he'd mind the foreigners so much just uh yeah didn't like jewish people (laughs) spielberg um speaking of foreigners (laughs) yeah what do what does uh what what do we make of this? So, I mean, <laughs> this this movie this movie is often considered fairly racist and might be uh and might be a big a big old uh a big old warning sign about change and like what can happen to the American dream and all the townsfolk folk of Kings Kingston Falls seem like they just like want to sit at home and watch their TV sets made in America and all those sorts of things. What do we make of all of those? Well, I mean, like those okay. themes. So I think if this movie, like the alternate, the like, or like, let's suppose that this movie is a remake of some original 1950s or 60s gremlins movie, right? That movie, it, that, 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 that supposed fake precursor movie is the movie that you're talking about. Um, but I don't think this, I don't think that, and it's invasion of the body snatchers, right? Yeah, yeah, or so, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, 
and you know, even the constant, like even the pods. Right. right. But I think, I mean, like the, the Dick Miller character sort of abrace, very abrasively anti-foreign. And I think he exists to like almost like lampshade the idea. And so kind of, and, and in a sense, sort of detoxify the rest of them or like let you know that that is not like he is actually wrong. Like that's not, that's not what we're trying to say here. Um, I, yeah. And I mean, and in this movie, he is killed for it. Right. Yeah. Right. He is one of the people that we see on camera. We believe dies. Nobody like right. Yeah. Nobody like has a really gory death except for the gremlins themselves. Sure. But he is a conf- he's one of the confirmed kills of this movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, he's and his dotty wife, who I would yeah. argue does not deserve it. Right. But. His wife doesn't deserve it. But, you know, as far as I know, I she mean, might, she's married she might to a secret- racist. So. She might hold hold hatred in her heart. I just don't know. Yeah. Um. Uh, but this movie definitely trades on racist stereotypes about Chinese people, like the way Chinatown is styled, the way yeah. Mr. Wing is styled. Oh, yeah. They, they're, no. they're trading on right, that, right. like, I, exotic I so. yes. nature yes. of the, the exotic. Yes, right. And I think, but I think some of that is certainly the time that it was made, but also, like, sort of what it's trying to, re- like, the ideas of what it's trying to reference. You know, yeah. the, it's it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. I I just assume I'm it's not. I'm not. I'm not. 80s. I mean, like, I'm not saying it's okay. But like, when you compare this to like Long Duck Dong or um, Temple of Doom or something, where like, like you know, portrayal of Asian Asian persons in a 1980s movie, it th- this is not. It's not great, but it's 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 a lot less bad than I remembered or was expecting it to be. Yeah, and I mean, I think that a lot of the bite is taken out of it because of Mr. Wing's final appearance. Where right. Yeah, sure. He He's, comes in and he definitely has some like magical Chinese man energy. Sure. Right. hundred percent. Yes. That, that, that's that's actually probably like his character description. Right. But then he like it, he then delivers, as you said at the top, where it's like, you know, you in my ways what society has done to all of nature's gifts, gifts mm-hmm. like and, and scolds them and then takes the my ways back and then has like that last scene in the movie, which is my, which I love. I love that last scene where he's walking away. Just walks into the Thomas mask painting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's walking through that Thomas Kincaid painting. It's yeah. so weird. I <laughs> like it so much. Um, can we uh, talk, look, I, if we could just take a weird sideline. More of the like weird, like strange pacing and the way this film is made, where it starts off with Rand Peltzer in Chinatown. And it almost looks like it looks like you're about to watch like Blade Runner or something. Like it's all mm-hmm. dark and smoky and there's neon and he's like giving narration like he's a private eye and he's dressed like a private. He's wearing like a, you know, a hat and trench coat and stuff. I assume Joe Dante was a fan of Dick Tracy. Yeah, yeah. That's what and, I assume from yeah. that. And I think I think. Yeah, but it's just so weird. And he has a great voice. I think they have to send him away off to the inventing conference so he doesn't take over the movie. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Uh, but I'm very glad he didn't because I couldn't. I literally could not watch him spray another bathroom product all over his yeah, face. Yeah, that was yeah. But I I, I uh, wrote a couple things. Um, I uh, do you notice that when he, the only time we get a get a possibly uh, racist Chinese gong is when he says, "You got yourself a bad case of dragon breath." When he's trying to sell the bathroom, buddy, the bad case of dragon breath, you get the dong. Yep. And you're like, wait, the donger is here? No. Um. What do you make of that? Is he racist? Is the term dragon's breath racist? I feel like, actually, I feel, <laughs> I always feel like when he's, using, he almost kind of like shakes it off like, yeah, it's bad. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I feel like it's the thing where, where 
a person just says something like thoughtlessly says something and then realizes that in this context, it was a poor choice of words. Mm. Yeah, he definitely he definitely has that moment with this. Yeah. I also this this movie also, I think, because of all of the um, because it seems to be maybe not as affectionate, but this kind of made me think about um, another possible problematic fave of mine, which is uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Mm. which and so I just wrote things like, yeah, you dig up all the black blood of the earth. You were not put on earth to poison us all with hydrocarbons, Mr. Burton, Um, Mm. which I think alternate alternate different movie, same moral to this. That's true. That's true. So, right. As we've talked about this and acknowledged, like, it, it, it's problematic for sure. But okay. I think it's less problematic, and I'm not totally sure that that's not the point. Right. But yeah, yeah, right. It's, there you go. But still, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not going to, like, argue this is, like, secretly, this is anti-racist. It's actually, he's actually made it, but it's not, I'm uh, not as. But it, did you know, did you pick up on this? So, so that's undeniable, right? There is... But at the time and now, people argue that this is actually represents uh, that the gremlins represent black youth culture at the time. The bl- the gremlins represent Hillary Clinton's, quote unquote, super predators. Oh, man. I, uh, so Patricia Turner wrote um, a book, which I think I read in undergrad, called Ceramic Uncles and Celluloid Mammies. Uh-huh. Um, and she mentions Grem- – if I – if I recall correctly, she mem- mentions gremlins somewhat in passing uh-huh. and suggests that um, you have these creatures uh, voraciously and savagely eating fried chicken, breakdancing to hip hop. And this is my favorite wearing newsboy caps with dark sunglasses at night, which was the style at the time. Uh-huh. And all of this reflects uh, negative African-American stereotypes. And what she's mostly, I think, saying is. That these things are so ingrained. Like, I don't think she believes that Gremlin is, Gremlins is about that. Uh-huh. But she's saying, like, we see this as being – we see these traits as being bad and we associate them with African-Americans. And when we create monsters, we give them these traits. Fine. I would also argue um, that these Gremlins eat human beings, um, flash dance, and, wear, and are flashers wearing flasher jackets, which all, as far as I know, are pastimes of white people. Generally. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like at that point, you're kind of talking about like, like, like ingrained, almost subconscious cultural racism. And you're like, yeah, sure. I, I buy it. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect her. I'm, I'm no, sure she but, is. But yeah, but it's kind of like, sure. I'm sure she's correct. I don't think it's like a secret message yeah, in right. this yeah. movie. Though. I don't. Right. I do think it's interesting that the Americanized younger generation is the one who um, sells out the uh, relatively more um, responsible and uh, like conservationally minded older generation here, right? Remember the 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 uh, the kid in the, uh, the kid Wings, in the Yankees cap, grandson, right? Yeah. Is the one who uh, who sells them out, who sells the Magwai to uh, to. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, friends. I mean, mm, Magwai also. So Magwai actually is a real uh, Chinese word. I think it's not pronounced correctly. I don't. I won't even try. It's but Cantonese. It's, Right. Yeah. And, and it means being like demon or devil or something. I mean, it basically means monster. Yeah. 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 Or gremlin. <laughs> and gremlin is German and it, it comes from the German word to mean to vex. You're mm-hmm. like, that's why it means. Oh, little so animal. Vexed. My airplane little is vexed. <laughs> I'm so my airplane is now plummeting to the earth. How vexing. Now they're um, on the wing was a vexer. Yeah. 
Um, but I think that on the surface, you could read this movie as like a movie about the fear of the outside world's evils and destructive foreign influences and the fear of change. Um, it even kind of goes with the 80s theme where you've got this encroaching globalization of, sure, the, of sure. the world, right? Um, right. But but also I think it's kind of but, – but I think the movie then also like stiffly smacks you in the face. It's like, no, you dummy. You let this thing in. This is your fault. What's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah, we are the actual monsters. We make we make these things happen. Right. That that um that mo- that the, the the gremlins themselves represent human nature. We 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 appear we appear totally totally innocuous, but if we're if we give in to our greed and our gluttony and our excess, then our true selves will come out and we we break everything. Mm-hmm. Um I do like I do like how what a bad inventor Rand is. Oh yeah, that that part is fun. Yeah, and I like actually I, my favorite part is so he's a bad inventor. Fine, great, great little gimmick. Kind of goes with the whole gremlin theme a little, like classical gremlin theme. But I also like how indulgent his family is. <laughs> oh my like, gosh, the that, fact that, that the egg the machine family, like, that's basically a corn baller. Like, <laughs> yeah, that egg machine is a guillotine for hands for right, fingers. Right. Or what? when, um, or when uh, Billy's mom, uh, like she's in the kitchen, right, and the phone rings, and she tries to use the like weird like walkie-talkie thing to answer it, and it doesn't work, and it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and then she like picks it up and talks to her husband, <laughs> um, and yep. then it's like, no, 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 it's fine. I was just, I was just out. No, I'm, I'm sure it's working fine. <laughs> yeah. Or I like, um, I like this. The, my favorite of that is when they make that terrible sludgy-looking coffee. Oh yeah. <laughs> and she's like. And she's like, I don't think we can drink this. And he's like stirring it and laughing. And he's like, what's wrong with this? This looks great. This is great. This looks great. Where even Rand knows what a crap inventor he is. The smokeless ashtray that he gives the guy at the gas station. And you see him like coughing with too much smoke. <laughs> I also like, and then he gives that, of course, to Mr. Wing at the end. And Mr. Wing is like, I like even that Mr. Wing is not, you, that could have been a cheap laugh where Mr. Wing is like, oh, thank you. You're giving me something important from your people. But yeah. instead of Mr. Wing's like, I look in the world i know i was at that gas station i'm aware of it yeah 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 no right and if you think about it right like in a sense the uh very simplified boiled down the chinese the the you know sort of um chinese culture can offer you mogwai um and responsibility american culture is like yeah smokeless ashtray that doesn't really work the bathroom buddy um i also think that maybe it's a little bit I think that this is a very modern read, but I almost wonder if it's also a little bit thumbing our nose at like kind of America's ability to to keep up mm-hmm. as as we as the te- as techno as techno as technology continues to uh, oh yeah to to change the world we live in, and you have this guy who's like I'm just gonna bolt like a bic razor to a toothbrush, and I'm calling it an invention. Like it's <laughs> his gadgets are hilariously low tech and shoddy. Yeah, yeah, he's it, it, it's it's like our obsession with like novelty and convenience and get quick, get rich quick kind of stuff. But I know what you're saying. In are you are, so you would submit that if they were to remake, which gosh, probably inevitably they will. Um, uh, Rand should be like like have a little startup where he's like, no, it's an app that orders pizza. Or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if pizza could be delivered to your house with an app? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. I just invented carry out, you know, that sort of thing. Friend face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Friends to the face. You ready? So here is my, so Gizmo. You think he's cute. 
kind of creepy looking, kind of weird, kind of unsettling. <laughs> Likes to watch a lot of TV, hang out around cups of full water. He Gizmo is like a, like a, like a, like a whatever a Mogwai is, a little supernatural critter time bomb. And all of the other all the other Mogwai that are made seem to want nothing more than to become gremlins. They're kind of evil, right? We think they they're the ones who strung up the dog, right? I'm not they're not yeah. Not an idiot, but they, they did that. So they're already kind of bad. And mm-hmm. I, that scene where they eat that baffling huge pile of chicken legs that they just have in the refrigerator. This is the second thing in the row that we have open, open chicken legs in the in the <laughs> yeah. refrigerator. Yeah. No cling wrap, nothing. That must be just the way it was. That's how they rolled in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> just, just open. They're like, we just, just want our milk just to like taste exactly like bake, chicken. And then just put it in raw. <laughs> Set it on a plate, <laughs> put it in the fridge. <clears throat> but no, I think that Giz, like Gizmo seems like totally like he he doesn't he doesn't care at all about anything. All he wants to do is watch TV <laughs> and do his That's creepy singing. Sing. Um, but like Giz, does Gizmo know that he is like a menace? Doesn't Gizmo realize that like the most ethical thing he can do is probably take his own life? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't so care horrible. and then think about it right and then as soon as he does create this like weird demon offspring he wants to kill it he wants to kill his own children I Gizmo think is like straight up a monster in, although did you know that uh, you, you you must have seen this because we read the we each read the like 4,000 trivia entries that Jeez. originally Gizmo was supposed to be Stripe mm-hmm. um, but they were like oh that's too dark the kids need a little stuffy to hold on to so they they kind of like did some rewrites and made made it not be Gizmo. So the Gizmo puppet they were using had to be kind of stretched too, which is why Gizmo doesn't do as much in the second half of the movie. Yeah. There's a lot of close face shots. Yeah, lots mostly. of just like, oh, <laughs> what does Gizmo think? Look at his eye. Totally. Yes, I did read that. Um, it, I, I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing if it was. Then it would totally be a, you wanted this pet, and it turns out that pets are hard. <laughs> um, kind of movie. <laughs> but again, we've already established Billy is the worst person in the world to give a mogwai to. It would like, just be a long, long does... a long, a long, thankful poem about leash regression. No, no. How how long does he have? Does Billy have the mogwai before he violates all three rules? Actually, the most chilling part for me is when um, when Pete Little Feldman pours right. water accidentally on Gizmo and. Gizmo is writhing with pain as he's producing the the five balls, other Mogwais. Yeah. And how, like, no one does anything to attempt to comfort him or even, like, help him. How about the fact they that they... Just, they just, like, back away and watch. I'm like, you don't want to, like, maybe hold him or, like, yeah. attempt to no, soothe? No, no, no. Billy is, is, is like a psycho towards Gizmo. Or how about how many times do they do the, like, oh, bright light. Oh, I forgot, buddy. Sorry. Like... Then the like light could literally kill Gizmo, <laughs> but they're just Here's like. Here's my question. Here's my question. Why wouldn't you immediately take a take a keen little hatchet to those uh, to those giant uh, eggs? They're like, no, it'll be fine. Chrysalis's metamorphosis, <laughs> a change. Ow. He's going through a change, like my mother. <laughs> so- solid joke. Corey Feldman. Solid joke. <laughs> a little, um, little little menopause humor. Did you know that um, originally Billy was supposed to be like Corey Feldman's age? Like Kurt Feldman's character's age. So, so it's not just like Billy, who's like a, you know, how old is Billy supposed to be? Like, you know, 19, 19. years old or something. Yeah. Like still hanging around with his weird middle school science teacher. Speaking of that middle school science teacher, he's the only person who dies in this movie that I'm like, that's kind of messed up. 
Yeah. It's I mean, a confirmed kill. Yeah. I guess I guess the idea is that it was mean for him to stick it stick it with the syringe and that maybe he's like the this he is for Is he the cold scientist? Yeah, for the Bedford Falls uh uh you know kind of uh, uh venue, he is he is the uncaring man of science. Um he's Christopher Lee in Gremlins too. <laughs> um you, you know. And so may that that's but it also feels bad since he is, of course, the the only black the Carol- only black person in this movie. <laughs> Which, on the one hand, you're like, good for them. They made him the science teacher. That's cool. They, that, that, and, and I do think that's cool, right. That kind of shows that like this isn't this isn't like fully the fifties. But then also he dies. So yeah, not great. There has been some <laughs> so I guess it's the seventies. <laughs> so what I was saying at the top, there has been some suggestion in the same articles, uh, not uh, uh, not. Patricia Turner, sure. But people talking about talking about Patricia Turner's um, comments, saying that um, that character and uh, Gizmo represent Uncle Tom's, whereas the the Gremlins are the Black Panthers, and they help the white people. Oh, maybe they help the white people press them down. So so I was like, I'll be really surprised if you have this same read. Oh man, Um, tough. Tough stuff. <laughs> that is tough stuff. Isn't it? I mean, okay, so, and it's great, right? Like our whole, I think, I mean, our whole podcast is just overanalyzing what is kind of like cultural, not not trash, but, you know, like lower culture. Yeah. Isn't it kind of fun, though, that this movie is was, was sufficiently successful, given its roots and its uh, references and everything, that people are willing to do deep dives on it? Yeah. You know, for good or ill, like that is kind of fun. It is kind of fun that we're like, no, but what do the gremlins mean? <laughs> That's awesome. Totally. Totally. Um, I do know. So let's talk about this as a horror movie a little bit. Sure. So this movie is famous for uh, ushering in along with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, another movie that has some racist stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that's not. But yeah. Uh, the creation of the PG-13 rating. So mm-hmm. this movie is currently rated PG. It was when it came out. It still is because apparently we don't. Yeah, because really apparently they were like, nope, we, we have said it and it is done. Done and done. Done and done. Um, and given the violence of this movie, I think that the idea that this is a PG-13, their PG movie is a little absurd. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, that's pretty absurd. But so I, I do understand the creation of the PG-13 rating um, and, and agree with it. In theory, although I think a lot of ratings are sort of dumb in general. Well, I mean, like, but, but, right, you, because it leads to like weird censorship. But I do think, I, I mean, like, it's sort of functioning as, as, as a sort of general societal trigger warning is probably like, a, like, you know, some dummy is going to bring their kid to see stuff that's going to kind of scare them or whatever. What I kind of wonder is like, did, because I feel like now, do you think there's much meaningful difference between G and PG movies? I mean, I'm sure that there's like some something you can look up online and see a grid and they'll be like, you can say shit in a PG movie twice as long as it, you know, is in the following contexts. But um, I, I sort of wonder, like back in because I mean, like, so isn't so what is is isn't like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? What's that rated? Great question. Is that P, is that a PG movie? I will look it up. Is it is it an R? I don't know. Just to say, like it, I, it, it it must be PG because it definitely came out right before before Temple, Temple of Doom. Doom, right? 
and no one needs to see those. Uh, right, right, like right. Frozen, those melting faces, like yeah. frozen and melting faces. Those are diff- very. I mean, different things. I love me some dead Nazis, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I um, I agree with you, right? Like this, this obviously is a little bit, little bit more. But I just wonder if in the past, like maybe it should just be kind of like G is like four kids, PG is like yeah, there's scary stuff, and then it's R. definitely. Raiders is definitely rated PG. Yeah, like uh, yeah, like, you, <laughs> you you would think that you would need you would think that you would maybe need like three ratings, four right. kids, generally four adults, and right. pornography. <laughs> well, right? no, or I mean, or if you want to get more granular and stuff, it's like four kids, four like young teens, young teens and up, or whatever. You know, like for like kids who are on the way to being grown ups, and then like for grown ups, and then like yeah, like heads up, this is porn. <laughs> Right, just just right away, it's porn. Yeah, <laughs> I um, know you think this is going to be a pizza delivery movie. It's not. Um, the so, do you know why this? Do you remember from that huge list of trivia items how this movie came in, popped into uh, Chris Columbus's little skull? Uh, no, I don't think so. So he was inspired. He was living in uh, New York in a like a dingy loft, right, mm-hmm. as a student. And this is when he was, um, uh, you know, attending school and becoming a writer. And I'm a writer. I write. Right. And he would talk about how, like, by day it was fine. But then um, at night he would be laying in bed trying to sleep and he would hear, like, hundreds of mice come oh, out God. and skitter around oh. in the blackness of his apartment. Oh, this that rules. And yeah. the, wait, and did he totally secretly also it. write Joe's apartment, the MTV movie? <laughs> Maybe. But like you can totally see that, like the way they move and like kind of like yeah. the idea of like little things like crit- like scampering about your house, causing mayhem and mischief. After we were like kind of like, well, the races of Huna trying to be like even handed. It was just like Chris Columbus was like, yeah, and I was living in the city. And you know what? There's a lot of racial unrest. And you know what? Those people are literally monsters. Oh, and you're like, oh, no. my gosh. No, not that I'm aware of. <coughs> um, but I think this is a quite effective horror movie. I, I think I think it's so here. Here are my beefs. The pacing of this movie is kind of a mess. I don't know if that's supposed to be like the old kind of monster movies where the pacing is usually kind of a mess, but like it takes us way too long to see a gremlin. And then the gremlins are awesome and scary, but then we get to the bar and then after that, they're not really scary anymore. Um, Once they become living cartoons, they're not too scary anymore. And then like Stripe with the chainsaw is kind of cool and sinister, but also we like saw him like drink whiskey with drink beer with like a, like a, like a woman gremlin. I don't know why I think all the gremlins are men, and that gremlin was like, you know. Um, in well, technically, drag, all the gre- all the gremlins are are ace. Yeah, true. Probably. All. I mean, G- Gizmo is male. Like he gets male pronouns. They pretty much give them all male pronouns. I guess. I guess. I yeah. You, I, I guess if you're saying. I guess if you're saying they're they like, don't really asexual, seem to have like their gender. sexual orientation is asexual. <laughs> like they don't have gender. Yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. the same. Right. As far as we can tell, and you know, because it's America and English, the default is a man. I'm a man. Get a man. man. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they they reproduce via water, so they are hydrosexual. They're hydrosexuals. Yeah, they're not. I don't really think they're gender so much, but <laughs> gremlin, they all seem gremlin pornography is just like looking at like Brita water filters and stuff for being like waterfalls, oh, Fiji water. Ugh. 
The difference between the difference between torturing your sibling who has to pee on a road trip and gremlin porn is very small. Yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> drip. Niagara Falls. Drip. 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 But anyway, um, but no, but it, but anyway, I think the pace is sort of a mess, which kind of undercuts some of it where you're like, I mean, it's it's like a full 45 minutes into the movie before before anything. I don't know that there's an awful lot of table setting that that kind of shaggy, you know, right? Like, why is Judge Reinhold in this movie? <laughs> right. Well, he was supposed to he was supposed to. Wouldn't I think it'd be cool if they had kept this. Part, yeah, he's supposed to like they're supposed to yeah. run into him when they're like when they hide in the bank and he's supposed to be like locking himself in the wall in the vault being like the money will keep me safe i'm right. gonna be where the important things are Well, no sure and that's great but also like he, he gets like too many lines and everything i don't know like that scene where he's in the bar and he's like you could have gotten fired you haven't seen my apartment you haven't seen my new apartment i haven't seen your old yeah. apartment it's really weird we don't see him again they should have cut yeah him out like entirely. at the end yeah, yeah or at the yeah like i mean you know um we we get a little bit too much with with miss deagle too um but yeah, at least at least sort of her character makes sense. This one, it's just kind of like, wait, did he like did he just forget about him? Yeah. Well, the, his his end scene died on the cutting room floor, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. The best scene, the best scene in this entire movie, is the scene with mom. Yes. Lynn. 100%. Coolly dispatching three gremlins in her kitchen. Actually, okay. So, that scene punishes. Yeah. Let's let, let 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 let's talk. We don't have to go frame by frame, but let's talk about how great it is. First of all, right, she gets the phone call. And it's Billy and he's like, mom, you know, like, some, like it's going down in the house. And she immediately arms herself with the knife and she grabs without hesitation, without hesitation, like, like she's a like she's a so calm, like, 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 like tactic, like, you know, she's a recon marine. And mm-hmm. um, she kind of has a Ripley haircut, which I think is great in this case. Yep. He's yep. wait. Hold on. When did the uh, when did Alien come out? Did he see the future? Is this he another seen the future. Is this the I'll thing look. with like the smart building and Trump? Like in Gremlins too. Was Trump Tower not a thing yet? Um, no, I just mean I think at some point they make some offhanded reference towards Mr. Clamp becoming president. Oh man! But the whole really smart funny. building, right? No, no, no. <laughs> Alien had had come out in '79, uh, so oh, they knew yeah, about yeah, they yeah. knew about Ripley. But I don't think that's probably not important. I I bet that's not it intentional. Might be. It might be. It might be. If Joe Dante says it is, I'll believe him. But um, mm. but anyway, she grabs it, and and again. Actually, the music in this movie has been pretty great. They do great. They deploy the Christmas carols in great judicious fashion and everything. Do but, you hear what I hear? Yeah, is like chilling. starts playing a little bit too loud and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such a yep. good. That's such a. I, why has why? Why don't we see that again? That's such a great like Christmas action movie or killer. Like there's somebody in the house. Do you hear what I hear? Oh. What they should do is they should just cut. They should cut out everything after that and then just go right to the like have Billy find Gizmo and go right to the uh, Woolworths. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Like you don't need all. I, I do love the claymation scene where you see all the like the little jerky claymation gremlins walking down Main Street. I like that a lot. Yeah. That, that, but, that part is cool. I, and I love them eating popcorn like that, of course, is a lot of fun. Like there's a lot of fun things that happen after that. Yeah. Again, it's it's more but weirdness it's, with the pacing where it's like they're they're scary, long, but they're goofy. And so, like, you want them to be goofy and then they're scary, but like they're scary. It's. Yeah. But no, let's go back to mom. Yeah, this right, is great. right, right. So I love, I love she arms herself with the knife. That. The music starts playing. And I, I, I don't. When I see it at first, you're always like, wait, is that just the soundtrack or is there music in the house or what? And I don't know, it's awesome. And then she, you know, goes downstairs and turns off the record player and has a like uh, Jason Bourne-esque fight with the gremlins. 
Oh man, it's so good. And the way and like so killing him in the juicer mm-hmm. rules. Yeah. Stabbing them repeatedly rules. Pushing them in the microwave rules. It's yeah. all like all their deaths are satisfying and goopy and gross. It actually made me think like that scene to me stands up with the final fight scene at the end of uh Lost Boys in terms of like satisf- satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. Sa- um, satisf- satisfying splatter. In a in yeah. like a, in in like a way that's probably okay for you know mature children to yeah, watch. It, it's like a it's like the Muppet Babies version of that fight scene. Right, and then then you remember right? She goes to 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 deal with to deal with the final one in the living room, and she grabs another knife. <laughs> she she she, she dual wields. She's double wielding. She grabs she grabs fresh knives. Yeah, actually, you're right. That's right because the other one is pinned to the. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She grabs fresh knives. She um she slices and dices that stocking. Yeah. And then you have the best, which is where you see her backing up into the Christmas tree. And then you realize the red lights on the Christmas tree are spikes glowing eyes. Yep. Oh, mwah. Yeah, it's so good. So perfect. It's so great. It's so great. Chef's kiss, chef's kiss. Very Italian. Italianly smooching thing, my own fingers. The only thing I didn't like is that he and then as soon as that's over, she's like traumatized and then goes and hangs out with the neighbor. She should have stayed with him. I was like, Billy. We don't know if you're good. You're not apparently as good at killing these things no, he, as your he mom he super is. isn't. Because remember when he fights Stripe in the store, Stripe like shoots him in the arm with a crossbow bolt. And then like apparently Billy is like, oh, I can't do anything. And then like the thing is yeah, going to like. That would not have happened if mom no, was there. Mom would be like, would be like, like, like guillotine choking him from her Brazilian jujitsu class with her legs. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's why they have to send her away. She has to be sidelined. They have to Obi-Wan Kenobi her because she's just too good. Same reason Rand is out of town. I okay. So Um, also Kate is like that too. Like she's like doesn't she doesn't necessarily kill them, Mm -hmm. but like she's like holding her own at that bar. Yeah. And she's like she's like when she's when she's turning on all the lights and the like that's why it works. You know? Yeah, the um the bar seed is funny. I like that um I to me I'm always just like, wait. Is Kate like legally obligated to serve these things when they come into <laughs> yeah, her Why doesn't she run away? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it's fun. It's the it's the cartoon thing. Yeah. It does, especially in comparison to the advances that are made in the sequel. The puppets don't look as. I feel like the puppets, especially in the bar scene, don't look as good as probably they thought they looked. Um, yeah. Or they haven't. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's not as fun to watch that mayhem as it probably is supposed to be or maybe was at the time. And uh, it does undercut the horror. Like I almost I almost would prefer if if it was a little bit dry. I mean, I don't know. It's this is a supposed movie. But if they could have kept sort of the weird, goopy horror that we see with with the mom scene, I, I would I, that that movie. I would I would I would watch that movie all day. Um, yeah, that might I be mean, exhausting, kinda- but. I mean, I kind of feel like, no, I, I stand by it. I think you can cut out pretty easily, even though I would lose out on they're watching Snow White and loving it, yeah, online, yeah. which I love so much. Yeah. I think you'd pretty much cut out um, everything that, ha- like, you could have Billy go to the police department. Um, <laughs> there's, like, you could have Stripe Because <laughs> I'm the sheriff, uh, asshole. Yeah, yeah. Strife off Futterman and uh, Mrs. Deagle and maybe, like, and maybe uh, Kate is at the police station, too, and then they find out that the guy who runs the Woolworths mm-hmm. has his being terrorized and they go to the Woolworths since the final showdown. Although I do. I mean, I love the scene where he jumps in the swimming pool because then you're just like, oh, no. Yeah, right. They're and, and never going to get rid of all. Of them. Yeah. It's the weird thing, though, where like that then means that 
you know, you have to, yeah, they have to have the gas main explosion, which is kind of funny. It's like we created all these gremlins and then up oh, we just killed them all. Except for Spike. Yeah, all like basically all at once. Yeah. I do think it's also weird. The pool scene, because it's so dramatic when you like see him dive into that swimming pool, which I think is actually very well done. I like yeah. his little yeah, yeah. like cannonball. Um that when you see him standing over the like fair relatively modest uh water feature mm-hmm. like water fountain in the garden center it's, it's not as scary yes yeah because yeah. you've already seen him jump into a huge thing yeah so maybe th- maybe the final scene should have taken place at a Woolworths maybe it should have taken place at the YMCA yeah 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 no I know yes the Woolworths is cool because it gives you stuff to do although that also is kind of goofy and toyish because if we're if we're positing a sort of more mature scary gremlins that the, the claws and everything I also feel like the gremlin puppets are better deployed in the in the fight with the mom compared to when we see them in the big groups I don't know they, yeah. they it it they feel more real and scary somehow because like that scene with them all marching through the town like it's fun but it's real ropey like it doesn't look good. No, it does not look good. I like I like it the same way I like in big animal movies where it's clear that they've just yeah, released yeah, yeah. a regular size animal sure, in a small sure. cityscape. Mm-hmm. Like I like that yeah, yeah, stylistically, it's but it's not. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't help maintain the horror of it all. I do like that. Um. Uh. That. Uh, Mrs. Deagle does uh, get get a death where she she dies looking like the the wicked witch <laughs> with her legs poking up. Yeah, that was a great visual reference there. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, her death is super goofy too. Although I get it that the gremlins also there's a lot of there's a lot of sparking and like electrical pops that happen in this movie. Yes. Yes. Which makes sense for gremlins. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's sort of. Yeah. I mean, I think that they didn't want, right, initially, I mean, they, they went from like, and then the gremlins cut off mom's head. And then they're like, no, we want kids to be able yeah, to yeah. see this. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, like, like the, deaths, the deaths do have to be kind of cartoony. Right, yeah. And it's, um, and it's like a, it's not really classic horror. But this is like a horror movie mortality of the, like, okay for kids. It's like Lost Boys in this respect that, like, nobody you care about dies or gets hurt. And, you know, sort of like low stakes, but lots of cartoonish mayhem and some and some good scary parts. Um, and all the scary parts are pretty much in the middle so that by the time you go home, everything. Feels yeah, yeah, right. You know, to feel like yeah, I don't feel like you have lots of bad dreams. Uh-huh. Although, I mean, I don't know, man, um, the stripe falling apart and melting like uh, Raiders Lost oh, Ark style is pre- that's pretty scary. I mean, if I was a kid, I, I can see how that would be a really scary moment. That's true. And like the way his body is like undulating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like up my notes. <laughs> too, too many damn characters. <laughs> Just keeps coming up. So I feel like it's sort of too bad. because I feel like Dick Miller is usually like a really likable character actor and everything. And in this, he's sort of like a bad person and he's a little bit sour. But I do mm-hmm. love it when um, he's being ushered out of the bar before the um, losing his job thing. And he has the the empty beer bottle and he blows on the top of it and plays it like it's a jug band instrument, just like once or twice. Mm-hmm. He's like, hooting <laughs> on the bottle, which yep. I like to imagine was just like an acting choice he made. I'm sure it was. Do you think anyone was like, now blow on the bottle a little bit? Maybe. Smell the monster a little bit. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, here's some other notes I just wrote. Jesus Christ, that Santa speech. Send away the dad? Why? <laughs> send away the dad. Yeah, why they sent away his they sent why they sent away uh the pelts Peltzer. Why did Rand have to go away? 
Oh, why why Rand has to go to that uh Go to that weird <laughs> that weird thing that apparently is an inventor conference, but really looks like he's at like Comic Con. I love I want to go to that conference. It's a inventors conference that's held on Christmas Eve that features actual cowboy robots. Yes, and and a time machine that works and disappears. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. What a magical simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Uh, yes. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. All right, let's rate the sucker. All right, you go you you go first. You always make me go first. All right. I like this movie. I think it's fun for all of its for all of its foibles. I still enjoy it. I watch it every year around the holidays. So I am giving it and I like that um I think it's an effective horror movie. I think that it has cheeky, um, cheeky, mean things to say about capitalism and small towns, which I enjoy. Um, <laughs> and I like that capitalism. both, and I like that both the women in it uh, are capable and interesting, mm-hmm. cool characters. So I rate this four out of five. Corey Feldman concealing holiday trees. Oh, oh yeah. Oh man, him in the tree. <laughs> Him in that tree suit okay. delivering and that, and that, trees. Yeah, and that shady sheriff who tries to get a free tree. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so for me, um, I uh, the pacing and character problems really bug me in this movie for some reason. Um, so it and it makes it it makes it hard for me to watch and enjoy it. Like I'm always just like, oh, just get to the good parts. The good parts are good. The good parts are real good. The bad parts are infuriating. Um, so for me, it's kind of kind of a mi- more of a mixed bag. Um, there's a reason this is a classic, though, and um, Joe Dante is a pretty swell guy. So, and the sequel is even better and fix all of the problems, and even has a scene that I think is a great. Do you remember the scene that's a tribute to like the ting- the tingler is loose in the theater where the gremlins like take over the theater and stuff? Yeah, you know that's when the Hulkster has to break the right. fourth wall. Do you okay? Did you know though that for videotape releases they also created one, or for broadcast or whatever, where there's one where the where it's not that because it's not in a movie theater where the the gremlins take over your TV set and then John Wayne has to shoot the gremlins. I mean that sounds great. Yeah, it's amazing. You should check it out on YouTube. It's amazing. That sounds great. It's like a great weird extra like (laughs) the gremlins are loose in the theater. Oh no! Um, But anyway, um, I give this three dead dads in a chimney. Whoa dark dark um all right so <coughs> next time uh we're gonna be taking a little bit of a break for the holiday season but we have one more super special super secret super surprise gift under the christmas tree for you or holiday tree festivus pole shake 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 it's what a bird a- cage um that will be coming up uh later in december um and then we'll be back in january to kick off season three of tales from the crypt do 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 do. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> thank, thank you, you. always for. <laughs> oh, oh, you go ahead. You thank go. you as always for listening to Grip Creepers. Please check out us out on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or the platform of your choice. Subscribe, rate, blah blah blah, all that jazz. Hit that bell. Be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash crypt-creepers to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts in the Outrageous Mechanisms family. From our family to your family, happy holidays. That's right, Herb. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Uh, do you have a pun? I do. Till next time, kitties. You ready for this? Joe Dante's Inferno of Mayhem and Ropey Special Effects is a treasured piece of Americana. Too bad it was completely eclipsed by its sequel. Oh, oh well. One day you're gremlin, and the next you're grem out. 
Outrageous? <laughs>